Welcome to Twice Five Miles Radio, fertile ground for conversations worth listening to and remembering. I'm your host, James Nave, always airing first on WPVMLP Asheville 103.7 and streaming online, WPVMFM.org. The voice of Asheville heard all over the world and on other community radio stations like KCEI, Cultural Energy Radio, out of Taos, New Mexico. Thank you, Walter Parks, for our theme song, WalterParks.com. For more on Walter's music, Davine Dial, thank you for managing WPVM-FM. We appreciate it. You can always reach me, Nave, at JamesNave.com. Nave spelled N-A-V-E. And we're sponsored by the Imaginative Storm Writing Project. If you would like to improve your writing, imaginativestorm.com is a good place to look. I have a show for you today that's a little different. It's not an interview show. It's not commentary from me. On June the 25th, I had the opportunity to do a book launch at the Story Parlor in Asheville, North Carolina. It's actually on Haywood Road in West Asheville. For those of you who live in Asheville, you know where West Asheville is. And the Story Parlor is a wonderful listening room. I was able to secure the space from 5 to 7 p.m. And June the 25th was Sunday, just after the beginning of summer. I invited 35 of my friends to come, and a few people whom I didn't know also showed up. So it was a really nice evening or afternoon a book launch it was more than a book launch it was a gathering of friends reminiscing about old times in Asheville when we were developing the poetry scene around Asheville thinking about where we're going next also I was able to read some of the poems from my new book 100 days a poetic memoir after cancer and it was really nice and I recorded it And when I listened to it, I thought this would be a terrific Twice Five Miles Radio podcast. So, what I would like to do now is offer you the show I did on June the 25th at the Story Parlor in Asheville, North Carolina. It's a live show. It's unedited. This is just what happens. So, here you go. I hope you enjoy it. (laughs) So, let's, let's dial that music down. This is open source music, in case any of you are interested. I said to to Jared, the fellow that showed up to help us set everything up, I said, can I play jazz? He said, no, you can't play jazz. We have to play our open source music because ASCAP will come in here and get all over us. So um, they're very careful here at the Story Parlor. Uh, My name is uh, James Nave, Nave. Uh, I have some of my family here, David and Debbie. They go by Nave. Jesse and Caitlin, his wife, they go by Nave as well, yes. Years ago, somebody said, you should change it to Nave, it sounds better. And it became a, a nickname. And I learned, because I go to France a lot to visit my good friend John Van Hasselt, I, I learned that in France, I, I learned the, the, the real meaning of my spiritual name, Nave. And I often wondered why people just would never call me Nave. They would say, Jim. And Annie Lally is here with Joe and A.D. over there. And Annie and I had some, some cafe lattes at Paris, I think, on Rue Dauphine, I, I, if I recall, yeah. Jim, they would say. And I, I, I was like, wow. And then as I was trying to study French, which I've, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a, 
a very fluent, advanced beginner. And I've been that way for years. years. <laughs> Never gotten any further, right? Le nave. If you go to the vegetable counter, you will see the little le naves, le naves, not le le, the plural, little bland turnips. <laughs> you can buy cheap. All you want. Take them home, cook them, you'll, you'll be fine. It also means bad movie <laughs> in French. It means bad movie. So, so nave and it means bad movie in French or, or a little turnip. So, so, but my family name is Nave and some of my family here. And in some, tonight, this, I, I pitched it as a, as a reading, you know, a, a book launch. And in fact, I do have a book. And I am launching this book. It was launched from, thank you, clap for this. Yes, yes, yes. And, and, um, and, and the reason this book exists is because of Andrea Watson from in Denver, who has a press called Three A Taos Press, said, "Do you have a manuscript? I I I, I like what you do. I, I'd like to publish something." And I said, "Well, yeah, sure. I've got a I've got a a, a manuscript. I happen, happen to have a hundred poems I wrote." Oh, really? I said, yeah. I said, I wrote these hundred poems 12 years ago. This was about, actually, when we were talking, it was 10 years ago. So I wrote these hundred poems, and I, I published them on Amazon. It's a self-published book. She said, I'd love to see the manuscript. Sure, fine. Now, she was part of the Taos community, as I am too. So my, one of my art communities is Taos. And then the other one is here in Asheville. And we will unpack a bit of this in the next 45 minutes. Um, and, and my art community is here in Asheville, and many of the people in my art community, my treasure art community, are sitting right here in this room tonight. And the history, my friends, goes very deep, all the way back to when my brother David and I, David sitting in here tonight, grew up on Brevard Road, where the Interstate 26 crosses. It's no longer residential. In fact, we lost our family home to an exit ramp. Can you believe that? But I was in love with the interstate, so that was a sacrifice that I still haven't gotten over, but I'm glad that the interstate came along because it took me a, a lot of places. So Andrea said, do you have a book? And I said, yeah, absolutely. Here's the manuscript. She said, gee, I'd like to do this. It's 100 pieces. I said, yeah, I wrote this. I wrote this on April 1st after having surgery for a prostate cancer. So this is a book about healing. It's not a book about cancer. And April 1st was Poetry Month. Poets write 30 poems in 30 days. Sebastian, you know this. Some of the other poets in the room. Alan Wolf is here tonight. Alan knows this. Um, yeah, Alan Wolf. <laughs> not going to say any more about that guy. We've known each other a long time. Bob Falls is in the audience tonight. James Wilson's here. These are friends I've had for a long, long time. And so I, I ended up with prostate cancer. I was 61 years old, and, and I was told by my doctor, uh, Dr. Elizabeth Torden, wonderful doctor still here. She still practices. Some of you maybe even have her as your doctor. I don't know. She said, you got to get tested. So I go to David DeHole, Dr. David DeHole, who lives here in, in Asheville. He said, my partner, Scott Donaldson, Dr. Scott Donaldson, will see you. And I called up 
Dr. Donaldson's office and they said, sure, I'll see you. And, and uh, so I got my appointment and when I went in to see Dr. Donaldson, this guy walks in the room and I'm reading Roger Bonaire Gar's book, um, Gully. It's a poetry book and Alan knows that book. And he said, what are you doing? I said, I'm reading a poetry book. So for the first 10 minutes of my consultation with Dr. Donaldson, we talked about poetry. And I, I said, um, he said, well, well, what are you here for? And I said, well, I'm here because I think I might have prostate cancer. He said, well, let's get down to business. And so we dove into that and he, and he said, after a bit of time, yes, you do have prostate cancer and, and I can take care of you and here are, my, here are your options. And I said, okay, and he laid it out and um, we did the surgery at the end of, end of March and April 1st, I woke up in the hospital room without a prostate and with the opportunity to write 100 poems in 100 days, which I did. <laughs> and I started on day one and, and I wrote and, and I've included Dr. Donaldson. I now call him Scott and when he walked in the room tonight with his wife Amy, I, I um, no, that's right, Amy, right? Yes, with his wife Amy, I, I said, hey Scott, how are you doing? And, and he said, I'm here. So Scott Donaldson's sitting in the back and he just bought the book, so. I wouldn't say Scott Donaldson saved my life, but I would say he participated in my future. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> so, so I, I, Andrea Watson just said, yes, let's do this. So during the COVID time, I took all those poems and I created a new bit of work from the old one. So now what we have here is a book about healing. It's a manageable memoir. You can write a memoir fairly easily. With, and they're laughing because my atoll up there just wrote a memoir and she, she really, it was, it was not easy. It was not easy. My atoll, she's, a, she's an author, lives here. How many books do you have now? Nine or so? She says, I don't know. Six or seven, nine or 12. The long, heavy lifting memoirs are very difficult. And I'm not throwing any shade on what you did because it takes a hell of a lot of work to really lay that out. Alan Wolf's in the house tonight. Alan and I used to drive up and down the road. Um, and he said to me once years ago, he said, Nave, I'm gonna smoke Shel Silverstein. I'm gonna make Shel Silverstein um, sit up and take notice. Well, Shel Silverstein died. Alan Wolf, however, is still alive, and he did indeed smoke Shel Silverstein. He has God knows how many books that this guy has written over the years. And Alan will, just like Maya, will tell you that it takes four years to get something to happen. The manageable memoir, actually, is something a little different. You can write something like this in 100 days, and you can get your start telling a bit of your story. You don't have to tell it all. And that's what I discovered. So when this book arrived, in the box, I'm usually not that impressed with anything, but when I pulled it out, I thought, my God, this is really something. Andrea Watson asked her son, Bill Watson, to design the book. He teaches design at Parsons, New York City, right? He also has Castro Watson architectural firm, very successful architect in the city, beautiful apartments, commercial buildings, houses on Long Island, houses in Westchester County, and he wouldn't give up. Andrea Watson said, you know, to her son, you have to give me the book. He said, no, I'm not finished with it yet. So when I get the book, I'm like, my God, this is perfect. This is a perfectly designed book, or is it close to perfect as you can get? And so that's, 
what this is about. So this is more than a launch. This is me coming back to Asheville, thinking, well, I can get the story parlor room. And Aaron, who runs the story parlor, is a terrific person. Please take note, if you want to do an event, this is the place to do it. Jared, thank you for showing up and helping me. Give Jared a hand. And, and when, when we gathered all those years ago in, in Black Mountain, North Carolina at McDibbs, Bob Falls was there. James Wilson probably showed up a few times. I know A.D. Anderson sitting over here showed up because A.D. played his guitar, right? And we all gathered at McDibbs and it was a listening room and it had a vibe a little bit like this. Gary and Lala Schwartz are here tonight. I knew Lala used to practice yoga years ago and Lala is still doing yoga. I went for breakfast with these two today and Lala showed me some of the stuff she's doing online. She can tell you all about funnel theory if you're interested. My dear friend Natalie Kinsey's up there in the loft and Natalie um, and I went to Vermont College together and we got our MFAs along the way. So there was a lot that's going on. Paul Rollins is here, Dominique, Alex, Alfred. Alex is over there. He, he's not, he's, he's drawing. Alex, you're drawing, Alex. No, you're drawing. Your fingers are listening. It's a translation service. I hired Alan. It cost me $1,000, let me tell you. Ian Booth in the back. There's Kersey Pearl. Friends everywhere. New friends, Beth. Isandra, uh, is right? Ishanda is here. So. And Christine is here. She's a new friend, too. So I think I'm getting everybody and looking around. Um, so what I'd like to do now is just read a few of the points from the book, give you a sense of what it is. And the reason I love this book so much is because Andrea said, put a question at the end of each poem. So you have a poem and then you have a question you can answer or think about. And it's divided in four sections, three sections. First section is here, well, actually four. First section is in, uh, in Party Hospital, two, two poems. Then I moved to A.D. Anderson's house. A.D.'s here tonight. A.D. Uh, hosted me for the first 10 or 12 days of my healing. Then I went to Andrew and Chiwa's house. Some of you know Andrew and Chiwa. And stayed there for a while. And then I traveled out to Taos. Oh, I went to Camp Rockmont. Then traveled out to Taos and was there for a few weeks. And then I closed it out in New York City. So there's a... 100 poems that take place over the arc of 100 days in different locations. So I'll do this. I'll read a bit. I brought my guitar. I don't sing. I'm very nervous about singing, but I do talk. So I will add a little music to a couple of the poems, and then I'll close it out, and maybe we'll have a bit of a salon, and we should be out of here, you know, before the night falls. So I'm going to read, and I have some of these memorized, and I'm going to work up a, a show, but I thought, well, I'll just read from the book. So this is the first one, After Surgery, 01, poem number one. And is it, a, are these poems? I don't know. Poets in the house will just have to let me know if it's a poem or not. But these are offerings. Offerings. What do you do with it? Who knows? after surgery. And Scott Donaldson, you were there the day before, so thank you, sir. Dr. Scott Donaldson. I have to call him Dr. Scott Donaldson when he's on duty, but afterwards he'll, he goes by Scott. I was still whole. So little had gone from my body. Groggy after going in and out of morphine sleep, I looked around my hospital room. Clock on the wall, 8.30 a.m., 
blue curtains covering the door. Last night I was warm and I felt no pain. Here comes somebody. Last night I was warm and I felt no pain. And then the door opened and entered a person. And what, what is your name? Christine, entered Christine. In the middle of the reading, we're started already, but thank you for coming, Christine. And Christine opened the door, and the blue curtains were covering the door in the hospital, but we have tan curtains with Christine covering the door here at the story parlor. 8.30 a.m., you can have a seat, Christine. Blue curtains covered the door. Last night, I was warm, and I felt no pain. Tish, Tish Valles was there. She's the woman that I've spent the last 18 years with, she lives in Manila now, and I go there when I can. Tish slept beside me in a chair. I gave myself over to being loved, and that is a miracle we all deserve. What a strange, 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 strange relief it was to live and breathe, to feel my mouth so dry, all I wanted was ice. Now here's your question. How do your losses translate into insight, self-awareness, and wisdom. How, how do you do that? And, and I know, I know, gosh, I know almost everybody, a lot of these people I've known for years, and you know, and I'm people I, I, I love, and I know that we've had a lot of losses, and we've had a lot of gains, and, and we've had a lot of struggles. So how do you do that? I don't know. Maybe you have an answer for that. And then the second day in the hospital room, how thunder runs. Now you can see these are really short. My uh, all due respect to your deep work on your, uh, your memoir, and no shade on that because you worked, but this is easier to do for those of you who are trying to find an entry point. <laughs> um, this is how thunder runs. So I'm still in the hospital. Restless on clean sheets, I woke from the second night of my hospital stay thinking how thunder runs through everyone's life. Not lightning, thunder, the boom, an expression of emergence. Last night I dreamed a friend pulled me from the sea. Thunder rumbled. I woke, looked around the room and realized that thunder has a pearl-like quality. Every boom is singular, like explosions you hear in a war zone. But that is not thunder. That's a, the sound of a whale with a broken back. My back is not broken, and there are no wars here. Here's your question. What makes your back stronger? They may not have answers. Ian Booth has all the answers, but I, I don't. <laughs> and um, well, AD's here, so I have to read the, the fourth day nesting boxes. Uh oh, are you ready, AD? AD's. The... I haven't read these, so I don't know what's going. You don't know. Well, it, well, it's it's dangerous. Dangers ahead, AD. Be be prepared. Sit up straight. A.D. just came back from a five-month meander around the world. Of all the people I know, A.D. has meandered around the world more than anybody. I've done a little traveling, but this guy, he just vanishes into the etherways for months at a time, and, and you get these great notes from some island way over there in Asia, and you know it's 90,000 degrees, and he's just smiling like he's in a, an air-conditioned room, but he's not. You know he's hot. <laughs> A.D. Anderson, coming in hot, nesting boxes. Bluebirds have claimed their nest. Now this is, oh by the way, this is in A.D.'s yard 
he's still out there in Swannanoa. And you all know the territory around here. It's beautiful, right? Bluebirds have claimed their nesting boxes attached to the dogwoods that overlook the fire pit in the middle of the side lawn where two cords of oak and locust sit along the fence at the edge of the woods. I'm grateful for the talks I've had around the fire with my friend A.D., who gave me a place to heal. Earlier today, I, walk, I woke from my lawn chair nap to see a cooper's hawk glide across the lawn and land in a tree. It perched, wiped its wings, flew on. A storm predicted tonight will tear things apart and make way for new growth. And that's it, the end of the poem. Here's your question. Who would offer you shelter in times of trouble? The questions may actually be better than the poems. <laughs> list, list five names. Who would offer you shelter in times of trouble? And if you can list three names, and I will say that in this room, I have people in this room who have offered me shelter over the years uh, in times of trouble and just in times of joy as well. Here's Derek Evans. He's sitting on the front row. Derek was in one of the original uh, slam journeys we took back in the day up to, up to do uh, someplace up north for the Rust Belt Slam national championship. There were three teams. Asheville came in third. Alan Wolf and I were on that team. I don't know, you know. <laughs> Things improved over the years. <laughs> Gee whiz. Um, okay, here's number six. I'm just going to move a few, through a few of these and we'll see. This is called Elemental Sense. Spring invites purpose. What appears today will not appear tomorrow. Elemental sense of order. Fog, sleet, rain, wind, freeze, thaw, gain, loss, life, death, night, day. Elemental sense of disorder. Big game hunters stalk the tiger, raise their rifles, fire, miss, aim, fire again. The tiger vanishes into the undergrowth. The hunters lower their long barrels. I'm a part of all the ooze humanity makes. I walk more today than yesterday. A heavy frost will fall after midnight. This was the 6th of April. What precautions do you take when illness aims, fires, misses, and aims again? What precautions do you take when illness aims, fires, misses, and then aims again. I, I think I'm very impressed with these questions. <laughs> I've not really done this before. <laughs> the poetry is okay, you know, but <laughs> we're kicking ass with the questions. <laughs> so here's one that I wrote at Andrew and Chiwa's house. This is day 25. I, I like this one because I do believe this is true. This, this, this title is true for all of us tonight. Your mouth is beautiful. My tiny clock purrs 6 a.m. A mile away, long-haul trucks rumble along I-240. I have become a small pond. My face is a mirror. Gaze as long as you like. Consider the angle of your nose, the lift of your cheekbones, the slant of your eyes. Your mouth is beautiful. Yesterday in the roaring warm air, a guard bee from Andrew's hives stung my face. 
I ventured too near, thinking the bees would ignore me. Surprised and angry, I jerked the stinger from my cheek. Next time, I'll walk further around the hives. It's 4 a.m. My tiny clock still purrs, and your mouth is still beautiful. How many times have you walked close to danger in your life? Yikes. Yeah, there was a time once when I was walking down 23rd Street, 1st and 2nd in New York City. It was late one night, and I had a hood up like this. It was very dark, kind of rainy in the fall, and three fellows sitting on the stoop said, Hey, man, you Sylvester Stallone. I'm like, No, I'm not. I'm just a guy walking down the street. You Rocky. And I kept walking, and they got very upset. Oh, you're ignoring us. You're ignoring us. Oh. And um, I, I was really kind of afraid. I, my mouth was not beautiful. I was a little <laughs> withered, you know. And I, I got a sense of what it's like when somebody gives you a bit of mistaken identity like that. It was really, really interesting. Um, and I don't even know why I told that story, other than this book does take me to New York, and that's where we're headed. Here, I will split through. I don't want to take up massive amounts of your time. So here we go. Um, I'm getting ready now. I've moved through the Asheville time. I've had a, you get a sense of, of what I was doing. So I was doing a reportage every day. If you, the book is here, you can, you can buy the book and you can read the whole story. Uh, so so I, I moved through and everybody was really good to me. So I spent a little bit of time at my, at, at my home place. 12 Pine Lane, where my brother David and I grew up, and my mother lived there. And so that was our home place. As I said, the interstate took it, so it's no longer there. But it's in a memory, and if you want to see the photograph of it, you can, you can it's in here. I, I included the photograph in here. So I'm talking with my mother. We had a long conversation. Some of you have met her. Natalie Kenzie met her. And I know Dominique Warfield met her. And Alan, Bob Falls knows her. Wilson. James Wilson and, uh, and my mother would sit and have long, 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 long conversations. And my family, you know, you know who she was. Everybody called her Bobby Sue. And um, she, she loved to talk. So I would sit with her. And here's just to give you a sense of how she operated. Annie, did you ever meet my mother? You never did. Um, and she loved Maxwell House coffee. And it was the instant coffee, mind you. No French press at Pine Lane. And you know what? I love instant coffee, too. Maxwell House, that's my brand. This is called Hitching West. Around 7 a.m., my mother and I sipped our Maxwell House coffee while we talked of that June day in 1970 when I first hitchhiked west on I-40. I reminisced about the long-haul trucks downshifting for the Canton grade, giving me hope I'd catch a ride far past a few exits down, where I could have been working the graveyard shift at Champion Paper. I said, you know, the thumb is a powerful symbol in the American psyche, but it's the eye. It's the eye that catches the ride. She sipped her coffee and said, if all time is eternal, then the collective consciousness contains all things, past, present, and future, including your thumb. <laughs> now, those of you who know Bobby Sue knows that, that that's not something I made up. She actually said that. <laughs> 
or things like that. She once said she was amazed at the fact that she had just learned that the Arabic word for womb meant, meant uh, unconditional love. And that she thought that, that the, and she'd been musing on the idea that, she said, you know, when the sperm meets the egg and it goes through that membrane and it creates life, it's just a miraculous thing. And that's, the, that's unconditional love. And she said, you know, I've been thinking, when lightning flashes across the sky and slides through the air and opens it up and you hear the thunder, that's God telling you that all creation is eternal. What a mom. And I'm like, <laughs> and, and she, she said that on her, I was interviewing her, you can hear that on my radio show. She actually said that, I'm like, are you kidding? <laughs> I mean, that was a leap and a half. And I, but she was right. She was able to go from the, 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 the idea of the energetic combining of the sperm and the egg to the lightning through the air and the sky and the boom. And that's where you know, the boom came from in, in the, the thunder earlier in the piece. I didn't write about that, but that was what my mother, um, that's what my mother talked about. And here we get to Taos, and I'll read number 54. Actually, wait a second. I, um, yeah, why not? 50 is the one that's asking to be read right now. And then we'll do, do a few more, and, and then we'll maybe open it up for a little bit of a salon conversation. Um, this is number 50, halfway through the 100 days. I figured 100 days kind of matched a $100 bill. So if somebody gives me a $100 bill, I'm very happy. So if you get 100 poems in 100 days, maybe you're happy too. Is it worth 100 bucks? Probably is. Maybe worth a lot more. What do they say? Credit card? Priceless? Oh, but this is not a commercial. This is poem number 50. The risk you take. The sun above the Sangreo Sangre de Cristo Mountains are the mountains in Taos. That's the southern edge of the, of the, of the Rocky Mountains. So it's, it's getting down in New Mexico. Elevation's around 13,000 feet, 7,000 to 13,000. So Taos is at 7,000. Thin air, clear sky, very different than here. Uh, Dominique Warfield's part of the uh, Taos community as well. Whenever she bothers to show up, um, <laughs> which is every now and then. The sun above the Sangre de Cristo Mountains brought to mind the burner on my mother's kitchen stove. Oh, Bobby Sue comes back again. Well, we can't get rid of her. Gee whiz. She's with us all the time, even though she's no longer on the earth. The sun above the Sangrea de Cristo Mountains brought to mind the burner on my mother's kitchen stove. Don't touch that burner. It's hot, Mother said. Hal Sirowitz. Hal Sirowitz is a reference to a guy who wrote a book called Mother Said, so I just put that in there. Don't touch that burner. It's hot, Mother said. The coils look cool to my five-year-old eyes. I press my palm and fingers down. My skin, Derek knows this, sizzled. <laughs> what an idiot. I jerked my, my arm back and stared at the new blisters. Over the years, I've often wondered why I branded my hand instead of testing the air above the stove to gauge the heat. Most stories most stories rise from the risks you take. If I'd done nothing but wave my hand over the coils, I'd have no story to tell. Walking the fence 
is the biggest risk you'll ever take. Can you list, somebody said, yeah, I've done that. I've, I, I know what, I'm very familiar with what the fence looks like, especially that, that top of it, because I have walked it often and have re just refused to put a flag down on one side or the other. And that's a costly thing to do. And when you finally do put the flag down on one side or the other, the whole earth cooperates with you because the earth hears the message. I planted my flag. Boom. Okay. You're not going to sprout wings on that fence, so you're not going to fly. So get down here, put the flag on the ground, and get that relationship with gravity going. And that's what the earth is doing. So that's the risk you take. And let's see if there's any. I've got a. I've got. I've got What's a. The question? Oh, the question. Can you list? Thank you, Derek. Derek's, Derek's a, he's a theater director. He, he knows how to keep, keep us. I'm just trying to sit still because I'm scared of him. Um, can, can you create, this is actually a damn good question, I must say. Uh, can, can you create list, can you list the risks you took that turned into indelible memories? Can you do that? And, and, and I'll bet we all can. I'll bet you that we absolutely all can. And um, <laughs> some of those memories you might not want to tell anybody, but um, and let me think. Um, I, oh, here's one more for Taos, and then I'll do a couple more. I've got, I've got a couple of things I'd like to test out. So this is stare into the perfect. The ease of Taos continues. I've gained much contentment from the magpies in the trees and much camaraderie with the regulars here at Wired Cafe, who was a local hangout in Taos, it's now closed. Regulars here at Wired Cafe who would believe me if I told them I was eating plums inside the bounty of my dreams. Dreams belong to this land. Far away up in the mountains, a young shepherd tends his flocks. He stares into the perfect openness of passing hours. His voice is a deer coming out of a tree. I see everything when they're allowed to look. I see everything when they're allowed to look. Take a walk and list the things you see, hear, feel, smell, and taste. This is really simple. It's not very profound. Can you turn that into a piece of writing? Um, and I'd like to shift to a little bit more of performa performativity. I, um, you know, I, I know that, that years ago, I've mentioned some people, Annie Lally and, 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 and A.D. were out at McDibbs. For those of you who don't know what McDibbs was, and those newcomers here, McDibbs is the reason why this place exists. McDibbs is why this is here. McDibbs is why the Gray Eagle is here. McDibbs is why the Orange Peel is here. McDibbs is why most of the experimental listening rooms and things that we are doing are here. It was the first listening room in this area in the 80s. David Peel started it. He had a little bar, not much different than what Jared's standing behind, and he sold Budweiser, and he sold a couple of other Blue Ribbon, and the top premium beer was Heineken, and Coca-Cola, and a few other soft drinks. And people would come and listen to people. Who, who came? Annie, who was there at McDibbs? A.D. and Annie played. Who do you remember? Doc Watson. Doc Watson was there. I remember, Al, uh, Ian, you were there. Taj Mahal, who else? Tony Rice, who else? Indigo Girls. Indigo Girls. Um, um, uh, uh, Jonathan Seb Sebastian, uh, John Sebastian was there. Uh, Jerry Jeff Walker was there. 
So these were like people they would stop all the way from Atlanta to Asheville and play a gig, pick up 800 bucks. They would fill up the room. David could get 100 people in there. Everybody pay $5. They didn't mind that. Stop over one night, $800. This was in the 80s. And then Annie played, AD played. We'd have like big dance places out there, right? And, um, and so Bob Falls and I, and I'm sitting here because of McDibbs. Bob Falls and I did our first Poetry Alive show at McDibbs in 1984, and we invited people to come. And we had 70, 80 people. I looked out, it's the first time I'd been on stage, and I went drunk. Not with excitement, I was scared to death. I was like, good God, they all look different. <laughs> and I didn't know what to do with all those eyes. Oh my Lord. And, 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 but we managed to do a two-hour poetry show, uh, Bob and I standing on the stage. I had no idea what I was doing. And we plowed through two hours. Cal Grotius directed us, and that was in August of 1984. That was back in the heyday when A.D. was playing, Annie was out there playing. Joe probably played there a bunch as well. Joe's a fabulous musician. Lots of good, lots of good heavy lifting musicians here in the house. Dominique's a great storyteller. She does some good storytelling. Did, won the story slam at Taos. Stood on the big stage at the storytelling festival. McDibbs, that's where, where it all started. I'm nobody. Who are you? Are you nobody too? Shh. How dreary. How public. To tell one's name to an admiring bog. <laughs> so we did a lot of those, and, and we used to do team pieces. And, and, and the Poetry Slam came to Asheville because Alan Wolf and I were at T.T. and the Bears one night. In 1992, during the Gulf War, and a woman named Suzanne said, if you want to see some really serious performance, poets, you should go down to T.T. and Bears. We were at Uno's in Natick, Massachusetts. You should go down to T.T. and the Bears. There's a couple of performance poets down there that'll just knock your socks off. And I'm sitting there thinking, I'm the best thing since the invention of the wheel. How could that possibly be true? <laughs> we went. It was more than true. It was way true. It was very seriously true. In fact, that night, we, we arrived, and the place was packed near Harvard. Took the train in, I believe. And um, Susan, Susan had said, well, you know, the, I said, well, who are they? Well, it's a guy named Ray, Ray McNeese. And then there's also another woman. She's going to show up. Her name's Patricia Smith. And those two are some of the best performance poets in the country. I thought, couldn't be possible. Well, we walked in there, and the fellow from Harvard was reading. And you couldn't hear it because he was talking like this. He was very tall. And he so somebody from the back, it might have been Alan or me. I believe it was me. Thank you, Al, for that, that historical. We can't hear you in the back. I yelled across the room, since we were performance poets, and we could do such things in a crowded room. And the guy goes, that's your problem. <laughs> hmm. Well, he gave me a good line to use, right? 
And then Al, Alan and I'm sitting there, and, and I don't know how Al felt about his work. We were pretty damn good. We'd done a lot. We'd done thousands of shows, in fact. We'd covered a lot of ground. Bob Falls and I had done it. And James Wilson's here in the room right now, and I remember the logo, Poetry Alive logo. James designed it. And he designed it, and he didn't even know he had designed it. Can you imagine such a thing? A logo that's enduring as that, designed, and the guy didn't even know he did it. He just wrote it on a napkin and said, here, use this. And I was like, two minutes later, you thought artificial intelligence was fast? Well, this was a long time ago. Bam, there it was. And uh, Poetry Live used it ever since. I guess they're still using it if it's still in business, right? Um, and so Patricia and Ray McNeese walked out. Oh, my Lord. I haven't recovered. They were so good. They were just exquisite. You know, I can't hear you in the back. That's your problem. It was not our problem when those two walked out. No, 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 no. It was powerful. And Patricia has gone on to be one of America's greatest foreign poets. Has won everything. You know, she was, I think, made her way onto the cover of Poets and Writers recently. Uh, Ray McNeese, same thing. Ray has done massive amount of work over the years. And they helped us define the poetry spoken word movement in America, along with Alan Wolf and Bob Falls and Derek Evans here. We were all there. So what I'd like to do is do two or th three more little pieces for you to close this out. And um, when I was a boy, I played guitar with my father and he taught me how to play the old Appalachian tunes and I gave it up. I bought this guitar in 1993 for 300 and what, 73 dollars? 30, 32 cents. And it sat under a bed for a long time and then about five years ago I thought, you know, I could take this out and pick it up and start doing it again, right? Well, I picked it up and it was a little bit dead as guitars tend to be when they're not played as we tend to be when we're not played. You hear that, right? And I thought, well, you know, I could learn something. Now, when I was a boy, I would stand beside the piano when my father played, and I would, I would sing. My brother David, David was there, he remembers that. Now, David used to play the piano. And he, was a, he had a light touch. David still has big fingers, but he had a light touch. So we'd had a bit of a musical family going on. By Dominique, Dominique has to go babysit. Had a bit of a musical family going on, but uh, when David and I used to sing, we would yell. The wayward winds, the restless wind that yearns to wander, and we were born next of kin to the wayward wind. Well, you can imagine what the household did. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me, but you're not singing. Now, it may be, so, so from that point on, I was like, Jesus, I'll never be able to sing. Well, I still can't. I'm a terrible singer. But I thought, you know, if Leonard Cohen can speak it, so can I. So I'm going to do two poems out of the book toward the end. I'm both set in Taos. One takes place in Taos. The other takes place in New York. And I'll close with one last poem. Uh, and I don't actually have, I don't even know what the questions are. I've just been too busy memorizing the music. So you can make up your own questions. So here's the first one, and then we'll move to the second one, and then I'll shift to the last. Uh, it's an invitational poem to invite you all to join in the journey that you've been on all your life, which is the journey of living. 
just south of Taos. Last week on my way to Santa Fe, a road sign warned bighorn sheep. Well, I scanned the land for wildlife. Nothing moved but my borrowed Mini Cooper gliding 60 miles an hour, sunroof pushed back, scent of sage in the air. Janis Joplin on the radio. Well, I downshifted for the curves and I started thinking about that first time I heard Janis cover Chris Christopherson's Me and Me and Bobby McGee. You know, I always thought when Janice said she let Bobby slip away, she meant he left her for another woman. Or he hoboed to Seattle because he loved those rails more than he loved her. Or he just plain turned mean and robbed a bank. Now I know better. Bobby died. He did it in the arms of a woman who loved him. An hour after I got to Santa Fe, I watched a young married couple ordering sandwiches at the Aztec Cafe. They touched each other while they waited. The air was clean, the air was clean and dry. A few white clouds floated in the egg blue sky. probably if you've been out Swannanoa to the Harley dealership and you've seen those folks gather which I saw this afternoon on my way into town from staying out at the Lake Eden events Lake Eden um, area Jennifer Pickering's area where the Leaf Festival is but a lot of other things going out there so here's this one Hundreds of Harleys invade Taos. Every Memorial Day weekend, those bikers, oh, mostly men with gray in their beards, ride their hogs. Hair pushed back, leather smack in the wind, and their feet propped above power-stoking engines that boom through silver pipes past Taos Gems and Minerals. Song's Asian restaurant. Anthony Lopez, Anthony Lopez's law office. You know, Harleys were roaring through Taos long before old Dennis Hopper and Peter Fonda rode easy over that Rio Grande looking for adventure and a place to smoke and lightning into the 21st century where they would never grow old. Just like the bikers, this Memorial Day weekend, these cats are riding with their souls free. Yeah, with their souls free down that long road that always curves out a Sunday morning. They lean into the warm air, never noticing how their shadows ripple across fence post. Barbed wire. No trespassing signs.
<laughs> I love playing this guitar in the house, and this is, I'm getting a little bit more comfortable doing it. You know, Suzanne takes you down to her place by the river. You can hear the boats go by, you can spend the night beside her, and just when you mean to tell her that you have no love to give her, she gets you on her wavelength, and she lets that river answer that you've always been her lover. And you want to travel with her, and you want to travel blind, and you think, well, maybe you can trust her, because she's touched her perfect body with her mind. I won't do the whole thing, but I love just sitting around doing that. Here's the last poem. Takes place in New York. For those of you who know New York City, it's 29th Street. Between, I think it was between 2nd and 3rd. Staying there in an apartment with some friends. By this point, I was way into the healing. I could do everything. It does take three months, and then you, it takes the rest of your life to recover from everything. So, you know, we're always recovering, and then we're getting better, and then we're doing something else with it, and it goes on and on. It just becomes our story. But here's the, here's the last one. Um, and it's set in Taos. It's also set in New York. Not satisfied yesterday uh, with our conversation about how to release a large trout into a fast-moving Colorado mountain stream, my buddy Paul Pascarella phoned again today. Now with my mobile to my ear, I went down six flights of stairs. I crossed the lobby and stepped out onto the sidewalk behind a couple walking down 29th Street. Paul said, with wet hands, I took him to the shallows. I, I held him gently in the easy flow. I moved him back and forth, nose to tail, until three bubbles of air emerged and he regained his strength, until finally, as if he were my own child, I released him. The couple turned south down Third Avenue talking about theater and what they planned to do later. You know, and you all probably know this already, but I'm going to say it anyway. You know, in any big city, you can fall out of the sky and splash into the river and nobody will notice you. Who wants that? Everybody knows there's juice in giving yourself over to your swagger, your dazzle, your sword swallowing fire, breathing days under the big top where trapeze artists soar. Wet your hands. Take yourself to the shallows. Lure yourself gently in the easy flow. Move yourself back and forth, head to toe, until three bubbles of air emerge and you regain your strength. Until finally, as if you were your own child, release yourself back into the unreachable depths and velocity of the breaching stream. Good luck. <laughs> and that's it, my friends. So Derek, come on home with me and let's play a little song. 
come on back before the day gets too long because tomorrow you already know that's just another day. So let's just pick up our sorrows and let's go down that way. So thank you to everybody for coming, walking through that door. Thank you so much for putting on your shoes and walking across that floor because tomorrow, tomorrow's just another, just another day. So when you dream tonight, dream long and hard. So when you dream tonight, Take it to the yard, let the bats and the chirpins know what's about. So thank you for coming. Thank you for being alive. Thank you for dreaming. Thank you for that drive. Thank you for being in that life we live. Boom. And there you go, my friends. Thus concludes my show at the Story Parlor. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed presenting it when I had the opportunity to do that on June the 25th, which was last Sunday, as I'm recording this today on Wednesday, to air on WPVM-FM in Asheville on Friday. And... KCEI FM in Taos on Saturday, and then I'll put it on SoundCloud so you can have it. SoundCloud twice five miles radio if you'd like to find that. And before we go, I would like to do one last thing with the book. I'd like to read the last poem in the book, which I forgot to read in the show. So I'll close with this and then say goodbye. So here's the last poem in the book, 100, titled Slightly Altered. Just west of Spring Street, I paused under a maple for a phone conversation with my friend Julia Cameron in Santa Fe. Julia told me a grassland whip-tailed lizard had just scurried over her rug, paused behind the trash can, then darted out her kitchen door into the desert, perhaps to dig for termites or find shelter under a log in the noonday sun. I have found refuge over the past 100 days in the Appalachian Mountains around Asheville, in the high Taos Desert, and in New York City. I trust more now than ever in what moonlight can do. I'm not the same man I was before my surgery, nor will I ever be. And here's the question that follows the last poem. Change is inevitable. What happens when you resist it? or when you welcome it. So there you go. The last poem in my poetic memoir after cancer, 100 Days. I hope you've enjoyed this show. I appreciate you listening to Twice Five Miles Radio, fertile ground for conversations worth listening to and remembering. I'm your host, James Nave, always airing first on WPVMLP, Asheville 103.7, streaming online, WPVMFM.org. The voice of Asheville heard all over the world and on other community radio stations like KCEI, Cultural Energy Radio, out of Taos, New Mexico. Thank you, Walter Parks, for our theme song, Walter Parks. 
Radio.com for more on Walter's music. Davine Dial, thank you for managing WPVM-FM. We appreciate it. Nave at jamesnave.com. That's how you can reach me. Nave spelled N-A-V-E. And we're sponsored by the Imaginative Storm Writing Project. If you'd like to have a, a better writing life, imaginativestorm.com is a good place to check out. So, once again, like I said, thank you ever so much for spending this time with me. I really do appreciate it. And until next time, maybe I'll catch you on that turnaround somewhere down the line. 